Hello. Hi there, my coven. Glad you're here to join me for another witching half hour or so. It's me, your favorite village witch, Jodia. And I have a bit of housekeeping to do today. First off, I just, I want to apologize. I did not get my July YouTube out. I'm recording this July. What is the date today? It's like the 14th today. I am not going to get that monthly reading on YouTube. This episode doesn't go out until a few weeks from now, but what I'm doing instead is I'm going to be going back to doing Tarot Tuesdays on TikTok. So you will see that there will be a weekly mini reading every Tuesday for you throughout the summer. I'm just finding the summer months with all the time I'm outside because it's beautiful and the sun is shining in Vancouver that I don't want to be inside recording. So that's what I'm going to do. Meet you halfway and I'll offer you weekly readings through July and August. And then we'll get back to our monthly readings on YouTube once September starts. Okay, loves? My tarot class was fabulous. It is on the webpage. You can still um, purchase the recording of that. It'll be on there for you. And that is the master class of the Fool's Journey through the Tarot. The links are all on the website, jodianpsychicmedium.com. And today we are going to dive right into our topic. It is spellcraft. I put up on the Instagram and YouTube, I put up what you guys would be interested in and this was the winner. So we are going to talk about spellcrafting today. So one thing I want to mention as we talk about spell work is that I really feel that all spell work should be done within a properly cast circle. And I'm not going to get into how to cast a circle today. I do have an episode on that in the archive. That would be episode 20, my dear coven sisters. It's there. Everything you need to know about casting a circle, no matter what your pantheon is, no matter what, it's a nice framework because I wanted it to be really useful for all of you. So there's a framework there on circle casting and you can find all kinds of things if you Google casting a circle. Now working with spells, to me, that's the heart of witchcraft. I feel that's what separates us from like the new age spiritual movement. There's lots of different forms of new age ideals and new age wisdom, and it's beautiful and it's lovely, but it's not always witchcraft and it's not always spell work. So in that Venn diagram of witchcraft, new age, spiritualism, healing work, Spells are only in the circle of witchcraft, okay? Witches cast spells in order to create favorable circumstances and to bring about desired things. Some of the common ones would be love spells, money spells, glamour spells, which is all about having your appearance. Um, how do I say this? Glamour spells are about, it's like spiritual lipstick, if you will. It enhances your own beauty, Spells for protection on all kinds of levels of protection. I think those are some of the really big ones, but there are really spells for 
all sorts of things. Now, I tend to separate healing work into its own category. Now, there's a few reasons I do this. One is that I feel healing is really nuanced. I was taught that there's an overlap in the physical body and the emotional body. So like physical ailments and emotional ailments can manifest in either area. So when you have stuff going on emotionally, that can manifest physically. Like when you have a physical injury, then like that can create emotional trauma as well. So they are quite interwoven with each other. I don't know if I'm describing that well. The bottom line is I approach healing work from a different perspective than spell work. I look at it from a real holistic and shamanic perspective that employs different techniques than when I'm doing spell work. And healing work doesn't have the same kind of end result focus or mindset as spell work. It's more about clearing pain or clearing trauma and rebalancing your energy fields, letting go of beliefs that may block you and returning the body and the soul to like a state of wellness. And I think that's a whole topic we could get into in another episode. Spell work is different in that there is a outcome we want. There is a definite measurable effect of the work and the way you can judge or manipulate or pull strings to create favorable conditions for yourself. And I also feel that spell work is not manifestation work. Manifestation work uses the laws of attraction, where you're aligning your energy with a vibration to attract similar vibrations to you. It can be similar to spell work. It's sympathetic, the way that a lot of spell work uses sympathetic magic. But I have seen a lot of confusion in our communities between the two. So I'm going to kind of lay out the definition for me, right? So for me, I work with spells and I look at spells as we are directing our energy for a specific outcome. I want X in my life. I want whatever in my life. And you're creating a spell, you're you're harnessing energy, you're moving energy in order to create an outcome. Where manifesting is different, It's, it's about drawing what's aligned to you right? So manifestation work, you're doing it whether you want it or not, right? We are always co-creating and the laws of the universe are interacting with us all the time, right? If we focus on our fears uh, and, and all the things that are negative in our life, we will manifest more chaos. Focusing on love manifests more inner peace and connection. Like those are the laws of attraction, right? And That's why we do a lot of healing work because sometimes our core beliefs of being unworthy of blessings or unworthy of recognition create spaces in our life where we're manifesting the feelings of being invisible. An example of that would be like if we're holding that feeling of unworthiness or that we don't feel that we're good enough to be recognized for our work, no matter what we do in our workplace, no matter how much we grind, no matter what we achieve, We will attract situations where we are passed over. We will attract situations that validate those feelings of invisibility, no matter how hard we work, right? So that's like, we're always going to be co-creating with the universe. You're manifesting whether you want to believe it or not. It's like gravity. It works. 
You can argue as much as you want about gravity or the moon landing being real or not real. They work. It happens. Right? And spells are different than that. I really define spells as harnessing our energy for a specific purpose. We want to create an absolutely specific outcome in our life. So remember, we're going to be doing these spells within a in a well-cast circle in a sacred space, right? And we're going to be raising energy. I guess these are the steps of a spell. Cast a circle. And then you want to raise energy. You want to create and raise energy. You want to get a ball or what we often call in old school witchcraft as a cone of energy. We want to create a cone of energy. And this can be done a number of ways, right? Singing, dancing, in a lot of covens when we're working together, we'll sing and we'll dance and laugh and create joy together, right? And we'll raise the vibration and we'll collect energy that way. We can also use our ability to channel, right? The same kind of energy we channel in when we're doing healing work, we can channel that up out of the earth and into a cone of energy. Breath work is amazing for creating a cone of energy, for really breathing into our power and standing in our power. And then we want to know what we want this energy to go towards. And then we want to direct that energy and then release it out to our purpose. Now, I think the invisible secret step of spell work is once you've done that work, you got to let it go, right? The seed is planted. You can't keep digging it up and changing where you plant it. That's one of the reasons that sometimes our spells will go sour. We've done the work and then we just can't let it resonate or ricochet through the ethers and create what we want. We have to let it go. We have to stop touching it. Do you know what I mean? Have any of you done that out there? Have you like done the spell work and then you're still worrying about it or you're still trying to control the outcome or you're trying to create the outcome instead of allowing the energy to create that outcome for you. I think that's a real trick for younger witches and people new on the path is trusting their work. One of the ways we can build trust in our work is a book of shadows, right? That's where we write down our spell work. It's a great way to log like on this day, the moon was at this, I used these things, this is the spell I cast, and then write it down A month later, go check on it. Look at how it manifested in your life. Look at how it changed in your life. So so that's kind of like the anatomy of a spell, right? The kind of the shape of it. You cast your circle, you raise your cone of energy, you release your energy, right? That's the nutshell shape of it all. And in between there, there's many ways you can do this. One of the best things we have right now in our world with the internet and and everyone online and all the socials and everything, is we have a different level of sharing knowledge than when I came up and when I started. So you used to have to buy books or learn spells from others or write your own crummy spells. And I say crummy spells because many of my beginning spells were crummy and the results were a little erratic to say the least. So There's nothing wrong. I just want to let you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing a spell verbatim out of a book you've bought. There's lots of grimoires out there. Um, I know Starhawk has a lot of 
101 type stuff. Scott Cunningham has stuff out there. I'm sure there's other authors that I don't know of. There's lots of great grimoires that you can purchase. Now within the actual working of a spell, one of the things that we will use is correspondences. I want to find a delicate way to say this, and I don't know if I can. Of course you can open a circle, have your desire, and just work with energy. However, that's really difficult to do. And it takes a lot of practice to just free form a spell that will go out and create what you want in the world. An easier way to create what you want in the world is to use sympathetic magic. Sympathetic magic is the fact that our collective conscience, the energy of the world as a whole, assigns meaning and symbology to specific things. So when we use those things in a spell, we are drawing on the belief, not just our own belief, but we're drawing on the belief that is held by our collective conscience. So if we are looking at a a love spell, okay? Let's say we want to manifest love in our life, right? We want to draw love. One of the things you would probably use in that spell would be roses. Red roses. Everyone associates them with love. You could use chocolates or candies on your altar, right? There are specific things you could use that align with the energy of romance and love. So you would incorporate those into your spell work. I didn't, I should have like grabbed a spell um, as an example. Let me, let me grab one. Okay. And that, that'll probably make it easier to kind of talk about this. Hold on a sec. Okay. So I've taken this ritual from a book I have called Light Magic for Dark Times. And it's written by Lisa Marie Basile. I hope I'm saying that right. B-A-S-I-L-E, Basile. And it is a flower magic spell for deepening the ability to love. So her materials for this are fresh petals and in brackets that she would prefer roses, some essential oils, coconut oil or olive oil. And with the essential oils, it would be something really fragrant or something that you would associate with romance and love and then a clean piece of paper. And her ritual goes on to say that you would you would set your space and ground and you're going to use a motor and pestle to grind those petals down into a fine powder and then mix the oil in and you're doing this all meditatively thinking about love. And then you create a piece of art or a message to yourself that is, I am full of love. I receive love. I can receive love. Something like that. And you write that on the paper. And you do that all in a meditative state in your circle. So that's an example of a spell. You are using the sympathetic magic. We associate flowers with love, right? You are adding essential oil. You are using the energy of grinding it to put energy into that paste. You're in a meditative and breathwork state when you're doing it. 
And then you are creating an affirmation for yourself and breathing into that power. You could create a sigil, you could do artwork with it, but you're using this to create a symbol of love. And that is a spell. And then you would let it go, close your circle, and out you go. So we use correspondences and sympathetic magic to create the outcomes we want. Now that's just a tiny little spell. They can be much more elaborate. I know practitioners who will align things with stars, planetary movements. They will wake up at a specific time at night. They will have their altar open and they will spend days working and weaving and casting a spell. They will get precious gemstones, different crystals, different things to create this and then release it out into the world to change and make things favorable. And I think this is why there has been in history a lot of hatred and fear of witches. The idea of manipulating circumstances for our own betterment. Not for the good of all, but for the good of me. That is a that's a belief that we often kind of collide with when we're talking about creating magic and practicing witchcraft. And I want to address it again because I have talked before about this to you, my loves, but I want to remind you that using your energy magically to create positive outcomes in your life is really no different than using your energy to wake up and go to a university and apply yourself to higher learning and gaining a diploma. Both of those things are using your energy. You are allowed to use your resources to better your life. You are allowed to be the main character in your life. You're allowed to use your energy for you so that you can have sweetness and goodness and prosperity in your life. Abundance spells are one of the ways to get that. Spells to sweeten your life are things you can do. So we take the frameworks written by others and we can apply those spells as written directly to our life. And I find that that is the best place to start with spell work, right? The best place to start is with a already tried and true written spell. And then work up to judging the words, altering the poems, so that they fit more and align more with you. Then move on to figuring out what is it you want in your life and creating a specific spell for that. That's how I do my work now. I will often comb through different grimoires and different, I have a big book of correspondences by Llewellyn. It's fabulous. I think everyone should have it. I comb through that and I build spells now of my own needing and wanting. And there are people out there who are going to tell you, you have to do everything from scratch or it's not authentic and blah, blah, blah. I don't believe it for a minute. When we're learning anything, like if we're learning guitar or, or any instrument, we don't start by composing Beethoven symphonies, right? We're not starting by doing a Van Halen lick the first week you pick up a guitar. You learn a couple, three chord songs. First, you learn chords 
And then you put them together and you copy your favorite bands and you put together some songs. Maybe you skip the guitar solo because you don't know how to do it yet. Then you move on to writing your own first crummy three chord songs that are epic and fun to play and your friends know the words too. And then you move on and spell work is the same. To expect yourself to be able to free verse a spell or an incantation on the spot is like taking a baby guitarist and throwing them in a jazz jam and expecting it to make sense to them. It'll sound terrible. You can't put someone in an open mic jam situation and expect them to play along with people with 20 years experience on instruments. It'll sound awful. And if you are in a place where you feel like everything has to be authentically from you and no one else can pre-write anything, chances are your first spells are going to be kind of messy. And that's okay. Like I, I once did a love spell for someone and they had given me the wrong Um, astrology sign of the person they were interested in. And so it didn't work at bringing them closer together at all. It created some catastrophe in the relationship. (laughs) And when we figured out the mistake, I had to go and, and figure out how to undo this spell and redo a blessing. It was very, everyone has made chaotic mistakes. And eventually we get to this place as practitioners where we have worked with energy enough and molded it enough and shaped it enough that we can create our own and we can craft our own spells. And I don't think they're any more or less powerful than the spells we use that others have written for us. I just think by the time we're writing our own spells and understanding this craft, that we have the confidence to do it and are getting good results for it. We're just more practiced at it, right? Eddie Vedder sounds awesome when he plays a Beatles song and he plays awesome when he plays a Pearl Jam song because he's awesome, right? I hope that makes sense. What else can we talk about about spells? Let me just look at what some of you guys, your questions you left on the internet. Hang on. Now let's talk about when we're using a pre-written spell and we don't have all of the ingredients, and maybe we can't afford some of the ingredients, or maybe we just don't have access to some of those ingredients. Like I've read spell books and grimoires that have essential oils that are very difficult to come by, you know, or sometimes things that were written in a different region, we don't have those flowers. Like if you are a hedge witch and you use a lot of natural gathering and stuff and a lot of herbs in your in your spell work some stuff doesn't grow up here in Canada we just don't have it and it would be very ridiculously expensive to bring it up here so what do we do what can we do when we don't have the ingredients well this is where research is important and understanding correspondences comes in. I feel like correspondences are so important when we're doing spell work. We really want to know what is in each thing and why. Like the spell I gave you an example of, it's about worthiness of love, attracting love, understanding love. So we're using rose petals, very straightforward correspondence. Some correspondences aren't as straightforward, right? Some correspondences take a little bit more research to do. And I mean, I recommend the Llewellyn's Big Book of Correspondences. It's fantastic. 
And you can go through and you can look up, let's say you need lemon peels in a spell, right? It's good to understand what that lemon peel is bringing about, what it's symbolizing, what it's being used for. And then you can do your research and find out what is in your region that is similar or has the same correspondence. What else is associated with that aspect that you can use? I'm going to grab my Llewellyn book and give you an example. Hang on. Okay, just random example off the top of my head using my correspondence book. Let's say you're doing a spell for inspiration. You're an artist and you've been dealing with some writer's block and you need to judge things up and bring back some inspiration. So you get a spell for inspiration and in it, maybe it asks you to use honeysuckle, right? Because honeysuckle corresponds to inspiration. Maybe you don't have honeysuckle. You can't get honeysuckle. Now, there's a bunch here listed under herbs and garden that correspond to inspiration. An iris would work, jasmine would work, angelica would work, rosemary, veravane would work, lily of the valley would work. So you can sub out ingredients you don't have at hand with other ingredients that you have. And subbing these things in and out is not going to change the flavor of the spell, right? It's a lot like cooking, I find. If you don't have one thing, you can sub in a very similar thing, right? Like when you're out of cayenne pepper, you can use chipotle. It works. I think the last little piece I want to touch on is the idea of invoking the help of deities when you are doing spell work. Now, this is a very personal choice. There are witches out there who are witches, and for them, it is not a religious experience that is tied into their deities. It is about energy. It is about working with correspondences. It is about personal empowerment and working in covens and groups together. And their work is not about deity worship. There are other witches and pagans out there whose work is very much tied to their belief system and their faith and their relationship with their patron deities. I personally work with deities. That is my path. My, my path is a spiritual path as well as a practicing path. I know other pagans who are straight up worshiping and they don't choose to do manipulative spell work. Their work is all about deity faith work. And everyone walks this little crooked path the way that is best for them. When I do spell work, I always call in my closest patron goddesses, and then I will call in others to help with specific work. And I don't know if call in, I always acknowledge the goddesses I'm close with, and then I call in for specific work. I do feel that the energy comes from my ability to channel, and that the presence of my deities as a witness empowers that work. I do believe that they lend their 
specialties to the work and assist in getting it done. And that is how I work. That's how I've always chosen to work. I work in relationship with my helpers, my spiritual helpers and my spiritual friends. And part of my spell work is always leaving offerings. Part of my path is always leaving offerings. For those of you new to the path, maybe you don't have a god or goddess that you work with right now. And where you can start is the elements. That is part of why I did the series on the four elements this year. They are the fundamental building blocks of spellcraft. The correspondences that we have with earth and air and water and fire, those are the energies you want to use to channel in and do your work. So if you are doing work around inspiration and inspiring yourself, remember we talked already about creating a spell if you are an artist and you're feeling blocked, you're feeling some artistic blockage and you're not creating, you can pull in those correspondences of honeysuckle and you can call on the elements of air, right? Air is about new ideas. Air is about winds of change and you can blow away that block. And yes, a lot of creativity comes from the water element from the subconscious. Your creativity's already there. Your water's already there. You've got something in your mind blocking you. And the element of the mind is air. So you can call on air to clear away the block, to make way for your creative waters again. These are the kinds of things you can do if you're looking for courage to courage to open up in a maybe maybe you're you've got a job interview and and you need courage and you need to feel empowered well that's the fire element right the fire is our will and our ambition that's what's happening in that quadrant so you can call on the fire to support you right you can do a spell invoking fire they're the the elements are amazing building blocks to any work you're doing there for you to use and call upon and channel in that energy. And most witches I know who don't do deity work do elemental work. They work with the elements and they work with the powers of the ether and they work at channeling pure energy from from above and below. So I just wanted to touch on that. And I think we've covered a lot. We've covered the shape of a spell. We've covered correspondences. We've covered, what else did we talk about? Substituting things in, how it's okay to use spells that other people have written and how going from following others' pre-written grimoires to creating your own is just a matter of experience. It really is. We could talk a little bit about tools. I think magical tools is a whole nother topic. So I'm just going to gently say that your spells will work if you do not have designated assigned tools. They're fun. They're great things to have. However, when a a grimoire pre-written spell calls for you to have a, a needle and thread or to have, you don't have to go out and buy a new one. We want to remember that a lot of these traditions, they were founded in places where there was not a lot of wealth. So if you don't have a ceremonial knife to carve into a candle, you can just use a knife, 
you can cleanse it before your ritual and you can cleanse it after. And there's a lot of stuff around magical imprint. And over time, if you use the same magical knife only for that purpose, it has a etheric imprint in it. And that's very true. But when women were gathering together under full moons to bless each other and to create positive outcomes for each other, a lot of them didn't have the shillings in their pockets to go get special knives. Well, my loves, there you have it. A little bit about spell work. It's quite an overview. I hope it got you thinking about a few things and I hope it helps you when you're learning and crafting and thinking about the next spell you cast. I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me in your earbuds, little coven, for this witching half hour or so. Let me know how your summer's going. Tell me all about your spell work. I am on Instagram at Sprite Made Soaps, on TikTok as The Witching Half Hour or So. You can find everything about what I'm doing on my webpage, which is jodianpsychicmedium.com. I hope to see you at Pagan Pride in August. I hope you're loving the summer. And yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for spending some of it with me. Bright blessings, love.